Good morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. Um, glad that you're listening to it this morning. We're going to be discussing abortion, but we're just going to be discussing abortion and uh, banning of abortion and all of that. Based, we're going back to the original discussion that began with Roe versus Wade, which was uh, Holly. How long ago? Nin- 1973. 1973. So, literally decades and decades ago, a decision was made by the Supreme Court that that really did change things, and it did really did change behavior, and. I think people have forgotten why the court made the decision and what exactly the decision was and what was the legal basis of it. And, and you know, there's a lot of debate about uh, the details of this. But um, as I understood, uh, Mick, uh, oh, I should introduce you. We've got Holly Plug. Hello, here. everybody. <laughs> Hi. And we got Mick Jordal. Hey there. All right. Well, that shows you how awake I am. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and we should point out that we're... This is a taped show, so we're not live, and this is before the decision. We're talking now before the decision is actually released, even though a draft opinion has been circulated. That's correct. A leaked draft opinion. A leaked draft opinion, which I don't know. To my eyes, I I did read big sections of it, if not every single word. Um, You know, it was surprisingly unjudicial. I mean, I don't know. I think of judges as, you know, it's like Solomon balancing this and that and stuff. Instead, we seem to, and looking at Scalia's, I mean, it's, it's, um, Alito's thing. It it seems like almost like an advocate, like a prosecutor. It's a sort of ferocious Mm -hmm. argument. It's like, that should be done by the people arguing the case, not by the judge himself, it seems to me. But I know that it's not that, this is as uncommon as I think it is, right? Actually, I do think it was like he, Alito really went out on the edge uh, to condemn Roe, essentially. I mean, he said it was egregiously, wrongfully decided. I mean, it, which is pretty amazing. I mean, obviously there are decisions that are wrongfully decided, like the Dred Scott decision yeah. and other things. And, and, and uh, you know, we have this concept of stare decisis, you know, where they're supposed to follow past tradition, I do think there are some times when that can be undone, but you have all these members of the court, the last three that were confirmed, saying in their confirmation hearings that they were going to hold fast to uh, precedent, in particular when, you know, uh, it was clear that people were talking about Roe v. Wade. Oh, it was already so. making its way. This case was already making its way through the system when several of these justices were confirmed. Right. So essentially, you know, I mean, you know, in as lawyers, we don't want to use the word lie, but, I mean, that's pretty close to a lie. That's know, what they're right? saying, so, yeah. sort of, that the, the Susan Collins apparently asked some very close questions about Kavanaugh, what he was going to do and why he was going to do it. And this kind of close questioning, if he were to turn around and throw out Roe versus Wade with the same sort of ferocity that the Alito does, or even less, it would be kind of a betrayal of what he said he was going to do. It was. It would be a misstatement of what he was intending all along. Well, I, I'd like to go back to Mick's comment, though, about egregious, and the, the quoting 
Justice Alito, because uh, if if this is egregious, what else? You know, what else? Yes. Right. So what what other decisions that this these new justices, this majority mm-hmm. on the court, the majority that believes in originality, you know, the original intent of the framers, what what else are they going to throw out? It's very unusual, right, it, to have something completely overruled. They chip away sometimes. They, well, but th- to completely overrule it. When was the last? What was the only time they ever did that in Brown versus Board of Education? Well, for also the, Dred Scott. Dred, other, well, there, overruling there some, Dred Scott. Yeah, overruling. But it, I think this is the first time where it's contracted rights. I think there's a difference between expanding rights and contracting. There have been uh, cases overruling prior precedent, which were restrictive, like a black person can't marry a white person. Right. That was a restriction. So they threw that out, said that's wrong. Separate but equal, unequal education uh, was at the Ferguson case, Plessy v. Ferguson. Uh, you know, that was wrong and they expanded rights. But this is one where they're contracting rights. And, you know, Holly and I were speaking just before the show here. I think that this, if you look at the long range of the arc of our nation's history, it's been one of expanding rights from only white male property owners could vote. Got expanded, you know, to non-property owners. Got expanded to people of other races. Got expanded to women. And finally, finally, got expanded to Native Americans in something like 1948 for reservation uh, Native Americans. So um, I think in terms of overruling precedent, we're seeing now a contraction. It's 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 kind of like the the universe expands and then it starts <laughs> contracting. And that's with all the Republicans now taking over, and their view of rights is very restrictive. I think also, I mean, you can see very easily, you could see, uh, you know, same-sex marriage. They could say this is egregiously decided because if you apply the same principles, you can just basically take out abortion and put in same-sex marriage, and a lot of the rationale holds. Right. I mean, Alito's dissent in Oberfell, which was the same-sex marriage decision, is the same rationale he's using right now, even though he tries to distinguish it. It's exactly the same. So let's go back, yeah. though, to the history. That's where you wanted to start, right? Yeah. Um, let's go back. Um, it's 1972. And as Mick was saying before the show, even before that, there's another case before Roe versus Wade. Um, what's causing these cases to be got, brought to the Supreme Court? What's the decisions? What's on the uh, on the original case, Mick? What's the story about it? I mean, what I'm asking, folks, is sort of a simplistic or simple question, which is, what brought this decision? Why did mm-hmm. they think it was necessary to talk about a right to privacy and to extend it to such an important area? Well, I think even before Roe, this is a, if you go back to 1965, is the case of Griswold versus Connecticut. And believe it or not, I, I know it's hard to believe right now, but contraception was illegal. Yeah, criminal. in, criminally, you could, you could go to jail, prison, you know, for prescribing or, or possessing or using contraceptions. Contraception. 1965. Think about that. Yeah. Not that long ago. Yeah. And then so the case went up to the Supreme Court then. It was a uh, Planned Parenthood uh, executive director of Planned Parenthood at the time 
um, and her doctor uh, were the plaintiffs. You know, they were charged. They were fined. I think it was $100. They were convicted of -hmm. this. You know, it wasn't a big deal. It's a $100 fine, but it was the principal, and they appealed it all the way up. And the Supreme Court then said, and I'm I'm quoting here, it says, while the court, well, uh, the Constitution does not explicitly protect a general right of privacy, however, the various guarantees in the Bill of Rights create what they call penumbras, or zones that establish a right to privacy. And that, together with other amendments, like the first, third, fourth, ninth amendments, create a right to privacy in marital relations, and in particular the 14th Amendment, too, which applied the Bill of Rights uh, to the states. And and one of those is like, uh, you know, fundamental liberty interests. And, and this is the zone around the family, about personal uh, bodily autonomy and integrity, that is a liberty interest that, that the state can only restrict using what's called the compelling state interest test. Mm-hmm. They have to have a really darn good reason. High, for high bar. Yeah. Very, very high bar. The draft opinion, I'm sorry to go forward mm-hmm. here, says there's no fundamental right to get an abortion, and it's just a rational basis test. So they, they turn constitutional law uh, and precedent on its head. Uh, so in Griswold, you had uh, nationwide the right to uh, receive contraceptions. And, and I think you're looking at a society that was changing then. And, Steve, I know you're, you're, you're uh, from, from back then, so am I. But we can remember what things were like then. And you were sharing a little bit about that. Well, I mean, to get contraception, uh, women would often have to say if they weren't married, they could first they can claim they were married. Second, they would have to say they were engaged. People and you wore had wedding to find rings. The right do- you had to find the right doctor right. just to get contraception. And um, abortion mills, I don't even want to go there hardly about the situation, particularly for young women. And if, if, I suppose if you were, come from a wealthy family and you were a well-organized person, it wasn't so terrible. But for ordinary people in a small town in Oklahoma, when the girls and women got pregnant, it was a disaster in a lot of ways. They were forced into marriages that they, that they really weren't would never have made if they had had some more time. Um, uh, there were there were women who were um, rendered uh, sterile. Hmm. Um, the abortionists had no tr- medical training. Usually, some of them had some non. Similar to medical peripheral. training. Peripheral. That's a good word. Yeah, peripheral medical training. But they had no training, and they were performing abortions, which is a simple procedure in one sense, but is 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 not something you want somebody who is not uh, using the proper instruments, is not doing the the, the thing with sterilization. Um, it was it was really kind of a mess, and and I know that we're old enough where we can remember the kind of chaos that 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 this caused. And um, it, it's hard to think that the court would have totally forgotten the reasons for legalizing abortion and giving women the choice of, 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 of what to do about it. Um, you know, what particularly irks me is that the younger members of the court, you know, justices who are in their 40s and 50s, have no experience of this whatsoever. And, there are, and, and so they... Amy Comey Barrett, she has a large family. She's adopted several children. She's a a working mother. Well, that wasn't the case back then. You didn't have child care primarily, right? right? Unless you had a family member or you stayed home 
parents, mom usually stayed home or almost exclusively back then. There was no opportunity until the children were in school. And then I can remember within my social network, maybe a part-time job at something, but certainly not a profession. It was very rare to see women have a profession and have children. Yeah, I remember it was a fight uh, that my father had in the bank, small town bank that he worked in, to get women hired in executive positions. That was a big battle. I mean, that was like a huge fight, uh, not only minorities, but also just to get women to hire to be a, um, um, a executive officer was 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 really hard. If you were of uh, reproductive your mm-hmm. age, you know, for for reproduction. That would be a question you would be asked before it was illegal to ask such a question when yes. you went for a job interview. Yep. Are you going to have children? Hundreds of thousands of women were asked questions like that before they were hired. They were given lesser positions, lesser pay, because it was assumed they would become pregnant and, and cost the company a bunch of money and, and leave after a, a year or whatever. Um, the companies assumed that this, w- this would happen. Um, well, what's... Interesting, if I can jump ahead again yeah. to the draft opinion, as Alito says, well, there are protections now against that, against discrimination against women. There's child care. There's all these things that are available now. So it's not so bad if abortion is made. Yeah, well, let's talk about the availability of child care. Yeah, okay. Well, it, it, uh, yeah, it's I, not I think out there. Not. We know that. It's so expensive. Right. But, the, you know. The thing is that uh, not so bad as it was once is not, I don't, doesn't seem to me a good legal argument. It's not as bad, you know, or it's sort of like, well, um, you know, we don't draw and quarter you before we hang you, you know, like <laughs> in the right. old days. So really we're much more civilized than, uh, Just you know, shoot you in the head. <laughs> and we only have a few dozen crimes that are capital crimes. And I believe about the time of the American Revolution, uh, Britain was the top. They had, they had like 360 crimes, including like stealing bread, breaking into a chicken coop that were capital punishment crimes. But, but let's talk about what the the social uh, situation was in the in the 70s. Remember, that's when women started uh, trying to obtain rights. That's when the Equal Rights Amendment was was uh, being considered. That's when women were trying to assert uh, w- rights for themselves and reproductive rights are always in the center of that because women are the only sex that has children. Yeah. And so it has a direct relationship on their ability to, to lead their lives. So it, you asked why, what was happening? Why was this an mm-hmm. important decision? Because it was illegal, because women were, were being, uh, they were having Illegal, unsafe abortions. People were dying or becoming sterile or uh, lots of different things. The trauma, just mm-hmm. trying to find a doctor. I had two friends who had illegal abortions, mm-hmm. one in New York, one in Mexico, but they were pretty frightening. I mean, my parents actually took a friend of, my, of mine and my sister's to accompany her to have an abortion. Because she was, an, she her parents had passed, but I was really surprised that they would do that. But they wanted her to be safe, and they wanted her to be alive. And anyway, it was a changing time, and so there were women attorneys, and there actually was a case in New York called Abramowitz, which was the case that was supposed to go to the Supreme Court. 
So just for the audience's uh, education, lawyers pick out certain cases and uh, they take they think that is the best case to get a decision and they won't take a certain case if they think it isn't a good sure. case to to get a decision because they don't want to make law. So if you have a case you bad just, law, they don't want to yeah, make bad law. Exactly. Yeah. And so this particular case Abramowitz was uh, in the courts in New York. And this was the case that had been decided would be the Supreme Court case. However, it didn't quite work out that way. And the lawyers who who were taking this case had done such a good job that the New York legislature, which was very, very rigid, and I was living in New York, I grew up in New York, it was it was a you know Catholic state, and the, uh, the it was very extreme laws only for the life of the mother. That was the only mm-hmm. way you could have an abortion in New York legally. Well, that case became moot because the New York State Legislature actually passed an abortion law, a, a abortion law in the middle of this process that granted legal abortion up to 15 weeks, I believe. And so that case became moot. You don't, you know, the, the no, judges will no longer, right, will no longer hear a case when it has no basis. And so the the other, the Roe case became the case, and that was a case from Texas. And it wasn't, and, the, and there were women lawyers in that case too, but that wasn't the case that anybody thought would be the landmark case. So lawyers are lawyers for I guess both sides and and the courts are looking for landmark cases, case that will be decided and will make future law or future decisions uh, will be derived from it. That's correct. And and so why the, did they pick Roe versus Wade? What, what's the what's, they didn't really pick it. It was okay. it, mm-hmm. it just happened to be going through the courts, and it, it wasn't intended to be the case. They were representing a plaintiff. They lost, they appealed, and, and that, and it just took off, and, and that became the next case in line, but not the chosen case, but think, it became the case. I think it's also important to understand that at that time, I think it was something like 35 states or something had outlawed abortion, except, you know, in, in certain uh, extreme circumstances, the life of the mother and all that. So that was one of the criticisms the Roe court came into as, wait, you're legislating here, you're not, you know, you should let it go through the process. A lot of those statutes were falling in various states, like in New York, and um, you know, so that that that's an argument now that is is being used to send it all back to the states. You know, that's what Scalia wanted. Others, you know, that the, this should be a laboratory left up to the states because they regulate health and reproduction and things like that. So, I, yeah, I, I hear that argument, but. Um the United it, States has benefits from having states with lots of decisions. You go to other countries, you go to England, you know, the county, English counties don't have any decisions. Oh, they don't like have this. counties. They don't, have, they don't even have representatives. <laughs> they don't even have counties. They don't even have representatives of this kind, the, the MPs. So uh, here we have all these 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 different levels. Um, the United States is always, it, it was, the, before the Constitution, we had the Article of the Confederacy. And they were so loose that the country didn't really exist and couldn't function. And we got the Constitution. But the Constitution still leans heavily on, on states' rights compared to most countries in the world. Well, sure, or because all countries. it was the only way that the framers were able to get a, 
a consensus around having a constitution. And and actually, it was only until I think it was 1868 or so where the 14th Amendment was adopted. That This is during Grant. I'm just reading the big uh, biography on Grant now. Fascinating. But the it's four- a great uh, show on the History Channel oh, is, about Grant. Is yeah. there? Yeah. I'll have to check it out. But it was the four, uh, 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments were monumental. Right. And the 14th Amendment basically applied all those rights that you had under the federal system, the federal government, to the states. Right. So that that's where states were bound, and the federal government took a much greater role in society, and and the courts had jurisdiction and power uh, over these uh, areas. And, one and of the most important things I think in American history. Oh yeah, yeah the absolutely. 14th Amendment. And it was post Civil War. It was post Civil War. It was the post Civil War environment. Um, Ulysses S. Grant was, for example, much better about. Native Americans and like a lot of the guys who preceded and followed him in terms yeah. of um, having no intention of exterminating the Indians. In fact, it's having a policy against that. Um, so that's when the, the law gets passed. So we're in the 1970s. So, and yeah, what, so- are, what are the arguments? So so Roe versus Wade, and Wade is what? Who, the state or the... Uh, it's probably the what attorney general of Texas. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. So okay. when you sue the state, you sue, sue the, attorney the attorney general, general. often. Okay. Uh, so it goes to the Supreme Court. Goes to the, the Supreme Court. This case is before the court. So what are the argument? What's the thinking back then? Because I think people forgotten the original thinking. Well, you know, of it was a court. conservative court. It wasn't that this court was a, a liberal court, and they made the argument and back. Years ago, uh, I heard the lawyers who argued the case talk at an event, and uh, and, and they made the argument that that reproductive rights is a medical decision, and medical decisions should be made between a woman or a person, but in this case a woman because it's reproduction, and her doctor. And it was on that basis, really, that was the argument. It wasn't equal rights. It wasn't protection. It wasn't due process. It wasn't any, it wasn't even the right to privacy, really. It was about, it was the right to privacy in medical decisions. Mm -hmm. So that's how they got a majority on the court for this issue. Because different justices had different reasonings to be in, to be in favor of it? Well, because it was, they viewed it in a way, narrowly, even though it was a wide application, in that it was a medical procedure. So it was not giving rights based on race, sex. None of those arguments really were the the, the reason. It was right. it was a medical decision. And so that's – and Blackman, who wrote the decision, was very conservative. People were surprised that he would write a decision like this and was able to get uh, – a majority of justices to go along with him. And, by the way, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was an attorney at the time uh, and you know later became a Supreme Court justice, but at that time she was a young attorney, she never agreed with that reasoning. She always thought, and in the Abramowitz case, they made the argument on equal protection. So they made it under the 14th mm-hmm. Amendment, mm-hmm. not under this idea that medical decisions belong to the doctor and the patient. But how, how often does government interfere with decisions by doctors and patients? Well, that was, you, you've got the rationale that was used. Right. So well, then I mean, why make an exception in this procedure rather than, mm-hmm. and you don't in other procedures? 
We well, in, in the draft opinion, though, I mean, uh, Alito brings up, well, the right to assisted suicide. I mean, that that could be a decision between a doctor and a patient. So they're, they're saying, wait, the state has a very compelling interest to intervene. And But then they, you know, I think the analysis should come down to fundamental liberty interests, you know, and that a woman should have a fundamental liberty interest, in particular around the first trimester of a pregnancy. I think the state has some interest in both the family and the fetus as it develops and becomes viable, but uh, but not at that stage. And and and, and that was the, that was uh, you had different standards depending on what trimester the the woman was in. So as you got more pregnant, as you got closer to to uh, viability, then the standards became tougher. But Interestingly enough, I think to myself, since this this argument is about medicine, health care, and, and certainly abortion is a health care issue, but things have changed, and that's why some of these later cases that came before the court looking to restrict or narrow Roe, which was pretty broad, used an argument that viability is earlier, mm-hmm. heartbeats are heard earlier and so when is when is life when does life begin and that's one of the that's that's one of the key issues that's used on both sides certainly the people people writing us a democratic perspective today how can you even argue life begins uh, with fertilization that's when life begins anything after that is is murder well that's 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 but people argue with this. And the other question they always say, well, the woman's making this, what's, what's, what are the rights of the father? And I said, well, the father has rights after the baby's born. And that got me in a lot of trouble because I shouldn't, I don't know enough about the, the law and stuff to, to, to argue that. But I mean, that's, these are obviously sort of canned issues. And mm-hmm. when I ran into someone, which is not going to actually listen to me, whatever I say anyway, but, um, but I did try to engage because she, she wasn't calling us names or sending us racist uh, photographs and stuff. So um, what about the rights of the father? I mean, if the mother can decide to have, uh, to have the baby or not, does the father have any rights? Her father, the grandfather, grandparents? I mean, certainly under current law, no. You know, it's not until the child is born. If if a uh, child is born and the mother wants to give it up for adoption, then it has to you know, serve the father papers mm-hmm. or get consent mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. But I, I think I think the act of inseminating a woman doesn't, you know, give you real standing to object during the process of pregnancy. Apparently, people who are against abortion think that it does, and that the, that the fact that the father might object is part of the argument. Which I I I, I said basically. So you're kind of agreeing with me that it's really the, the father's rights begin. After the child's born. Well, legally, they legally yes, currently now, yeah, yeah. And you know, something has to be born before it can die, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so they come to this decision. Why did they go with the right to privacy, uh, Holly? What? Did, what? Were, why did they do that rather than, um, you know, equality or something like that well, before well, the therein, law? Well, therein, you know, lies the mystery, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what people have questioned. For the last 50 years, why did they use that argument? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think they could have tied it. They could have directly looked at, like, the 14th Amendment and, and uh, liberty interests and say this is a definite liberty interest. And actually, Roe does say that. It doesn't, doesn't uh, you know, it, it emphasizes the right to privacy more. I wish they had emphasized the liberty interest, which, uh, you know, was clearly established in, in other cases in other family situations. And I wish the ERA had been... It had been in, in effect because that would have given much more, uh, I think, of a of an argument as well, because that would that clearly states equal protection. I mean, right now, if you if you go to the philosophy of the current majority on the court, it would be extremely restrictive. And let's see, as these there's a couple of really important other cases that are still being decided this term. How, how the justices view those. And if you're a strict constructionist of the Constitution, I mean, they don't speak about women. Uh, blacks are three quarters of a person in the original Constitution. Now, we, of course, we have amendments, but when you, they don't really talk about the amendments. They talk about what did our, what did the founders, what did our forefathers want? Without the well, fact that for a hundred years we've been amending the Constitution to, to modernize it. We can know what they said because there are arguments behind almost all the amendments and stuff. You can see early drafts of like the Second Amendment and you see what, what was concerning them. You can actually see it. It's physically a lot of it was, you know, no tape recorders you know, back then, but their people took notes. And we have the notes, actually, of the discussions of what the thing. And so much of what they say is original thinking. I don't think I don't think it really applies. They don't apply it, certainly, when it comes to the Second Amendment. Well, I don't think I don't think anybody involved in drafting the Constitution ever thought you'd have a right to a machine gun, you know, or that you were 18 years old. You could have an automatic weapon. I mean, or that a well-regulated militia had anything to do with the personal right. Right. I mean, it was so. You know, I know that liberals have always emphasized the well-regulated um, militia part of the Second Amendment, and conservatives have, have uh, emphasized the no law. Um, but e- even going back to that, so there's no right to the privacy in the Constitution. We Correct. all know that. We all yeah. agree with that, whether you're left-wing, right-wing, or... Well, no specific... Right. right. Doesn't so say no in the Constitution right. you have a right to privacy. You know, what but it, doesn't the keeping the government like what was it? Um, you can't have illegal searches and seizures. You can't just right. bust into people's houses and and grab stuff. You can't take people's food or or their, their goods without legal legally justified stuff. There is a whole basis of implied privacy and protection of the individual from unwanted or unneeded intrusion. A lot of people are, are, are uh, uh, a lot of intrusions are needed. I and mean, when I was young, there was the draft, you know, and if you were a man, then they drafted you and you could argue, but, but that was that. And they could intrude into your life, lift you out of your life and send you off to a war. And uh, because there was a compelling state, because there's a compelling yeah, state yeah, right, interest right. in being able to have a militia or have an army. But this is a little different. You know, one of, my, different. one of my favorite amendments, I didn't know a whole lot about it, but it's the Ninth Amendment. 
and it's just one sentence long. I've got to read this because it's so great. Uh, it says, The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Right. And and that, that was a big deal because, um, you know, in the Constitution, there was a lot of discussion about, well, if we put this in, if we're leaving it out, that means it's not protected. And so this turned it on its head. They said, no, 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 just because it's not in the Constitution does not mean that it that we we uh, don't have certain rights. And and also the Constitution is just a living, breathing document. Like, where did we ever get the right to an appointed counsel if you're indigent in front of a court? You know, and that's that that's tied to due process and being fair. And being fair, yeah, yeah. due due process. But interesting, the privacy. bring this up though. Yeah. Look at the court's decision recently about indigent people's right to have effective counsel. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a different matter. It is it? a different yeah. matter. Yeah, I remember there was a case, I think, uh, where a judge was falling asleep during the, the mm-hmm. case yeah. that he was hearing, and they said, well, that's not grounds to reverse things. Or or the court saying innocence is not a reason to reverse a case right. or a decision. That was recent. Innocence yeah. is innocence. not a reason to reverse the judgment. Uh, even I, if you I can prove innocence. I can't even think about that. That makes my head swim. <laughs> what I'm looking at abortion is the amount of intrusion necessary to ban abortion. How much intrusion into a woman's life, a man's life, even mm-hmm. indirectly, is it required to do that? The amount of intrusion is extraordinary compared to a lot of the other things government does in terms of intruding in, into somebody's personal life and their private space. Well, they're so saying I, I kind of like the original argument myself. Yeah, well, yeah, because what they're saying is that the life of the fetus takes precedence over the life of the mother. When you ban abortion straight out with no uh, exceptions, exceptions, thank you, for uh, for the life of the mother or for rape or incest or anything like that, they're saying the fetus has greater rights than the mother does. And you're basically killing people, right? Yeah. Well, potentially. And, and already you're seeing uh, things reported, you know, around reporting around Congress. And there are a whole bunch of senators have signed up now. There's something like 19 senators that want to introduce a bill saying that life begins at conception. So yeah. it's a human being at the point of fertilization. Um, yeah, so, that's certainly what I So if, if that's the case, there will never be any exception for, say, yeah, rape, rape right. or yeah. incest or anything. Like, there's no... Um, but, but then you go to real extremes, like the Constitution of Arizona, where it is a crime, and where doctors and and uh, women ca- it can be prosecuted for having an abortion. So you, you have laws on the books in a variety of states, even though, by the way, polling suggests that a vast majority of Americans believe in the right to an abortion and and even a majority believe abortion for any reason yeah but uh but now the supreme court is going to not only interfere with with uh, your right over your body but it's making a statement about who has more value in society yeah, good point. Good. And it's also throwing it out to the states. There's going to be absolute chaos. Right. Secondly, this is medicine, not circa, circa 1972. There are, you know, the morning after pills and stuff. There's no actual way that they can stop abortion, I don't well, believe. Well, that's, that's As a practi- if we're talking about the practical effect, is there a way they can stop abortion? The answer is no, they can't. You know, if you're a well-organized person, you know, you can you can 
get around all this. I think the vast, I was reading something recently that said, I think it was in the 70-something percent of all abortions are are medical, are, are uh, yeah, I think they're by pills, pill. yeah. and as opposed to surgical. So I think they call that medical versus surgical. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. So <clears throat> pills come in unmarked. You know, brown paper. <laughs> yeah, they come in high quality pills from India. Yeah. Mean, like the drug trade or whatever. But, right. but I think a lot of companies are, are going to be unable to ship, you know, yeah, pills this, to Arizona right. or other states. But, uh, well, right you know. now, there's a, a large number of people who get medication from Canada mm-hmm. because the price is yeah. something they can afford versus the United States. And that's not legal either. And yet, True. plenty of pharmacies. And, and apparently, there's high, high quality abortion. Well, I shouldn't call it abortion pills, but abortion pills from India that, that you can get. I mean, I believe like 25 years ago, I was talk, talking to um, a woman activist, and uh, that's what she said to me. She said, with the rival of the pills, and I guess this is some early version of them, she said, they're never going to be able to stop us. We'll put together networks to smuggle this stuff in. They're never going to be able to stop it. So it's in some ways, it's not about that. It's about... It's about whether you you should do it rather than will it happen. Well, I I, I think you're right, but I also think that you have a lot of of young, uneducated, unconnected, you know, young women who will not be able to avail themselves of. They won't know how to get it. Right. Whatever. Lack of education, knowledge. Because there were Money. informal yeah. networks even then. There were informal networks for contraception even then. There were informal networks for for abortion all over the place. If, if there's some in rural Oklahoma, then they will have been all over the entire country. But those are very dark days, too. Yeah, those I are dark days. We don't want to return to that. But I just think that the, the medical thing has changed. I, I want, sometimes wonder if this is really about actually stopping abortions. Do they really think they can stop abortion if a woman wants to have an abortion? Or do they want it as kind of a flag out there, their moral flag on the top of the mountain rather than somebody else's moral flag? Well, I think it's, it's pretty clear that every Supreme Court justice, you know, comes from a political you know, backing in political parties. I mean, all you have to do is look for years and years. There was five, four decisions. You could just predict it. And and that's true of uh, the liberal justices, the conservative ones. I get a little disgusted by that. You know, can we just look at the law? Hopefully, and it depends on the the lens you use, I suppose, if you're an originalist or whatever, or if you believe the Constitution is a living, breathing document and, you know, it, it changes over time. But uh, if you recall, there was a, a candidate for the Supreme Court uh, Judge Bork. Oh, yes. I remember oh, yeah. Bork. Oh, yeah. Remember that? And he was soundly rejected. But the arguments that Alito has put out in this decision, it's and it's uh, are, are are from the same mold. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. And I mean, Bork got, was kind of a piece of work, whether you like his politics or not. Right. I mean, he, he certainly was exactly what his critics said he was. Well, I'm, this isn't just my personal opinion. Um. The court is so partisan now and so predictable, something Mick said, and, and but Holly, um, I, 
you know, Judge, uh, Justice Blackman was not a predictable vote in a lot of ways. Like you say, during Rosemary Wade, he was not that predictable. And several of the other justices were sort of all over the place sometimes. And there was variation. There were uh, really hardcore liberals and there were hardcore conservatives. But there was, was some movement by people in the middle. We don't see that now. No, we, Justice not Kennedy not was the last one. Yeah. Well, Roberts, actually, he, he saved That's, Obamacare. Yeah. And a couple of other things. Yeah, it, it's amazing that uh, the center would be Roberts. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just just amazing. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. a silly joke, isn't it? That he's the he's now become the moderate guy. Well, a lot of things have changed. I, I miss the old Republican Party, that's for sure. Oh, and, uh, I do too. Have so let's sum up. I think we got uh, yeah. four minutes left. And how about a couple of minutes from each? one of you about what you think is most important. We don't know what the decision is going to be. We know certainly how Alito thinks. And that's bad enough. But what's the actual decision going to add up to? And and where do you think this is going? What happens if they ban if they ban abortion? Colleague Mick. Well they are I, I believe they will out and out ban it. Not chip it away like Casey did. In other cases, they will ban abortion outright, send it to the states, and then there'll be 50 states that will have to be activated. I guess I look at it a little differently. In the the leaked opinion, it, it says that you know states get to determine this. They aren't going to outlaw anything. They're just saying that the states have the right to regulate this. There's no fundamental right to abortion. So all the state needs is a rational basis. So... I believe I think based on the draft opinion, uh, they could outlaw all abortion if they wanted to. I know there's a movement now to restrict um, among Republicans to restrict any abortions to six weeks. Well, the, um, and potentially there's a lot of, of uh, you're talking about uh, a federal law. We're talking about um, I was off the mic. You're talking about actually having a federal law that says have six weeks. That, or, now, that yeah. would open this up. Yes. If it's not a right, then it opens it up not only to state legislation, but to federal legislation by whoever's in power. Right. And that's right. that's what Alito left open. And Scalia, in his, his dissent in uh, Roe, was very clear that the states have the right to regulate family relations. But Alito's leaving the door open to the federal government to, uh, you know, ban. It could totally ban abortions if it wanted to, right. if it has just some rational basis. And if the, uh, the there's a change in the majority in the House and Senate in these midterm elections, I predict that's exactly what's going to happen. And then you'll have Biden would veto, but that could be overridden. And then if Depending you have a Republican on, president in two years later, they, they could... And then they could start going into social their social agenda, taking away rights from same-sex marriage. But isn't there going to be, I mean, the court is not in good stead by a, by a lot of the American people already. They can see that it's, it's biased, that it's so politicized at this point. It's even more politicized than the country is. What's this going to cause in terms of attitudes toward the court? The court is already discredited in many people's eyes because of the way of some of the justices were, were put upon the court. Um, wouldn't this cause just absolute rage against the Supreme Court? Wouldn't this cause demonstrations? Wouldn't this cause people, you know, I don't know, more social chaos than we've got already? 
And I think it will feed right into the social chaos that that exists, and they will just become a part of it, yeah. where they were always outside of that in the mm-hmm. past. You know, they were pure. And that's something that Roberts was very concerned about. He's concerned about the reputation of the court, but he's he's uh, being swept aside. And it's all, unfortunately, a part of, I think, our society's institutions unraveling, you know, in general. Yeah, because he's not the, he, he, he's not the... The, the difference between a majority and a minority now, they have enough justice, so they've got five justices. Right. Well, so without to, him, they can still be the majority in any case they I want. I want to thank uh, Holly Plute and, and Mick Jordahl for being with us. Hopefully when the court decision does come out, we'll have another show and we can talk about uh, about the implications of it, political and also legal. I think people need to know what the possibilities are even before the court decision. Thank you for being with us, folks. All this, all our shows are on podcast on vvid.org. Check it out. Last 11 years of podcast. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.